Podcast, Paranormal XL Podcast. Gigi and Mama Mary here to take you to 284 Green Street, Enfield, London. We are going to go back to the 70s. It's awesome. I don't know any of the sayings from the 70s. I was trying to think of something to put it in the show notes, yeah, but I because no isn't like far out like from like the 60s. Far out, man. I don't know. I don't even know what's from the 70s groovy. besides like what about groovy? groovy, groovy, groovy. Might be. I don't know. I'm like groovy. Might be. We sit here in silence. <laughs> so. <laughs> A very different, oh, it's a very different time that we live in today. So let's keep that in mind as we get into the Enfield Poltergeist case. Yes. So let's just, let's just jump right in and get to these, this story because it was a lot. Peggy Hodgins and her four children lived at 284 Green Street, which is the address of a council house, which to us in America would, would be considered like British um, public housing, like Section 8 type thing. Peggy had just divorced her husband and the father of her four children, Margaret, age 13, Janet, age 12, John, age 11, and Billy, age 7. We don't find much information on the boys or hear about them much within the Poltergeist account. John was away at boarding school most of the time. He did pass away in 1981. Billy was young at the time of all these events, so it's very difficult for him to um, remember most of these, so he's pretty indifferent when it comes to watching the movies or him getting asked what his sisters went through and such. But with the movies, the stories, the books, there was a whole bunch of stuff that came out of this story. With that being said, I won't be covering, we won't be covering Billy and John, but wanted to take note of them to know that they were part of the family. Okay. Um, so let's touch back on the divorce thing for a moment. Peggy's ex-husband would stop by their council house and visit the children for short amounts of time. Ugh, short amounts of time, and sometimes would bring his new girlfriend, which upset the kids. It upset the children, but more so the girls than the boys. Any of us that have been the child of divorce or the parent in a divorce, it is hard for the whole family, no matter the reasoning of the separation. For kids, though, I know from both ends, it's just downright sucks. Even if you know it is the best thing, you worry about things you really shouldn't, like what people at school will think. Will one of my parents forget about me? Am I will? Yeah, am I going to be getting enough attention? Um, and then all that subconscious stuff too. You may not think that to yourself at the time, but subconsciously, those that's they're thinking that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and it comes out in different ways. I think with the subconscious thoughts, and it come out in the way how we act without even realizing it. The energy is something like that. Yeah, that can cause. Oh my god, the energy, was I drinking when I wrote these show notes? <laughs> See, the energy that can be caused, it, it, it's intense from this, from a parent separation just all by itself. So keep that in mind as we dig deeper into the questionable happenings of 284 Green Street. So pause my show notes for a minute. We're going to touch back to the episode that we just did, okay, with the poltergeist. So that's why I kind of delved into the divorce thing. I think that's a super important event that happened in the children's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that would bring about a poltergeist if a poltergeist is something that we manifest from our own emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of dark comes into that. And then the dad brings around a new girlfriend. Well, that's never good, you know. <laughs> it's never good when you're young because you don't understand. That's true. So, all right. So, like I said, keep all that in mind. The emotions that you get from your parents getting divorced. Just all of it all around. It, it sucks. Um, in August 1977, Janet and Margaret were getting ready for bed in the upstairs bedroom when their dresser started to move and shake around. 
Peggy came up to see what was happening and trying to figure out why the girls were making so much noise at bedtime. As she was talking to the girls, the dresser started to move by itself. Peggy, Margaret, and Janet witnessed this all at the same time. Peggy, not knowing what was going on, tried to move the dresser back to where it came from, and it wouldn't budge. Needless to say, they didn't get much sleep that night. All through the night, they reported hearing bumps on the walls and things moving around. Um, that... Now, I'm trying to think back to The Conjuring 2. I don't know if that was even shown in The Conjuring 2 at the very beginning. I remember it. Yeah? I remember the scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was more, they, they made it more scarier. Absolutely. The, I think um, she was hearing noises, and then when they turned the light on or something, it moved by mm-hmm. itself, and the girl started screaming. Okay. So another thing that you got to keep in mind, the Ed and Lorraine version of The Conjuring 2, um, they're in the story. However, they do come into this story, however... For research purposes, I did not add them in. Mm-hmm. I did that because I wanted to separate the actual case versus the movie. Yeah. Because it got Hollywood-fied, if you will. So a lot of the things that the Warrens did, it was actually it was actually Maurice Gross that it happened to. So they, he does play in that movie, or they have his character in that movie. However, everything that the Warrens went through is what he went through. So they added themselves into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I guess I really didn't need to say that because if they seen the movie, you know, whatever. So what was I moving around? Other things. So the next night, the three of them went to the neighbor's house. Dick Nottingham answered the door and wanted to know what was going on. He invited them in and listened to what had been happening in the house. So he went back over with them. He was hearing the thumps on the wall and a knocking in the bedroom, so he tried talking to whatever was making the noise. Vic and Peggy ended up calling the police. They sent out two cops. They looked around at the home, and the cops couldn't find an exact cause, but they just suspected that the two young girls had been there and doing some kind in um that the, with the two young girls being there, there had to be some sort of rational explanation. As they're explaining what happened, Officer Carolyn Heaps witnesses something that she couldn't explain. Here is the interview with her, and after that, we will take a short break and be back. Insert. It um, came off the floor, or maybe a half inch, I should say, and I saw it slide off to the right, about three and a half to four feet before it came to rest. Um, I checked to see whether or not it could possibly have slid along the floor. I placed a marble on the floor to see whether or not the marble would um, go in the same direction as the chair did, and it didn't, didn't roll at all. Um, I checked the walls under the cushion of the chair, and I could find an explanation too. And we're back. So at this point, we left off with the female officer's account on what had happened on her visit, triggered from a phone call to the station from Vic and Peggy. No one knew what to do. They wanted to try a different approach because they had no idea who to turn to or who could help. Putting the story out there might reach someone that could help help along the way. So on September 4th, 1977, they had journalist Douglas Pence and photographer Graham Morris from the Daily Mirror come to the house, bleh, come to the house after Peggy and Vic called the paper. How they got the Daily Mirror to take an interest enough to send people out was the mention of how how everyone has seen something strange, including the police. 
So having the police there witnessing these things really helped that difference. account. Yes. Yeah. Um, they met at Vic's house and all went over together to 284 Green Street. It was quiet at first. They were packing up their stuff to head out. And Vic came out after them to stop them to let them know things were happening at that very moment and to hurry back in. Things were just flying around the room. They stated that it clearly wasn't any of the children that night. There was three of them there because they were all in the same room. They were watching them. Morris stated he put himself in the corner and just started to take pictures of things just going everywhere. Morris actually got hit with a Lego brick. They headed back to gather their thoughts at the studio and to develop the pictures Morris had captured. As sure as he was about all the happenings, the pictures did not depict anything that happened. The flying bricks or anything like that. Pence and Morris went to the house for the next couple days to try and capture more evidence. They came to the conclusion they wanted to reach out to help the families, so they got in contact with the Society of Psychial Research. Now, the Society for Physical Research is described as a nonprofit organization. Did you say physical? I said psychial. Psychial? I, I don't know what it is, but... You're probably right. Let's start that again. The Society for Psychial Research is described as a nonprofit organization in the United Kingdom. Its stated purpose is to understand events and abilities commonly described as psychic or paranormal. It was founded in 1882. The SPR sent out new member Maurice Gross. Gross. Gross? Yeah. New member Maurice Gross. Mr. Gross joined the society after the tragic death of his daughter in hopes of finding out that there was life after death. A question most of us want to know about, honestly, and I'm not sure many of us can handle that. You are? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm at not all. either because we clearly couldn't handle the Area 51 thing that everybody wanted to go storm. Like, you honestly think that we can handle seeing a big old green alien or gray no. alien? No. Like, we can't even accept the fact that. We're all humans. And mm-hmm. you want to throw another species in there? Mm-hmm. Come on now. Come, come on now. And the only reason I know what his name is is because I was obsessed with watching the clips. I'm like, it is gross. <laughs> That's super gross. Super. So Maurice stated he believed it was a poltergeist, a term the Hodgen family was not familiar with at all. After a few nights at this location, he felt backup was needed. So he called in Guy Playfair. Guy was a writer. Guy was a writer journalist with a history of paranormal investigating. After a few nights there, Guy agreed with Maurice, stating that they had a genuine poltergeist they were dealing with. Guy and Maurice ended up staying at the location for fourteen months. That's a long time. One four months. Yeah, that is a long time. What happens in these fourteen months are things we definitely should question as believers and skeptics. There were more reporters sent out to the house to learn about what was going on. One was there when a chair was moved in the girl's room and no one was awake. The reporter and Maurice made sure of that. Like, they recorded it. So, like, if you Mm -hmm. go and find that recording, you see Maurice, like, opening the girl's eyelid. (laughs) But I was, like, looking for it. I remember being a kid, you know, and you kind of smirk or whatever. There was Uh no emotion whatsoever. And it was her whites in her eyes that were showing, you know, when you were sleeping. sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Um. As I'm trying to, like, poke myself in the eye right now. Eh, that's good times. Uh, <laughs> Look in the eye, bro. <laughs> so by late October 1977, the whole family started sleeping in the same room for safety reasons. With that, though, the happenings were becoming more severe. Um, <laughs> why I thought that was a good case or spot to stop the case, I don't know because we are not that I many minutes I think probably because that's in, when really, when they started sleeping, like in the movie, that's where it actually moved to the next level. Mm-hmm. Where they had the Warrens come in to take a look because it had reached that point for them. 
Yes. And I think, what do you think the reasoning is for that? I know what my thoughts are. Sometimes I think when you give more attention to the negative energy, the mm-hmm. more it picks up. So the more they were afraid, mm-hmm. there was energy to feed off of. Right. So the more they researched it, right. the more energy, the more people they brought in, the more, more energy, energy there was. To, it was like it vamped it up. Right. And then that is sleeping in the same room, all that energy in one spot they were able to yeah. feed off from. Um. That's why, like, it's important to not let your emotions rule you if you're going to do paranormal research or do things like that just because it vamps up the negative aspects of it. Oh, absolutely. You need to. Yeah. the vibration. You got to take yourself out of it. Like, uh, learn your boundaries. Yeah. Spiritual boundaries. Am I saying that right? Exactly. Protection. Protect yourself. Um, I want to say more words. <laughs> this one went a lot faster than I thought it was going to. However, I do think it's a good spot to for us to take a break. Yeah. Do whatever. It was a lot of information very, very quickly. And it's the beginning of it. So, uh, well, also, I'm just going to say random words, words, words. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So with all those random words that I said for no apparent reason, <laughs> because I am a poltergeist, let's listen together. Again, to the female officer when yeah. she was interviewed or asked what she had experienced there. Maybe a half inch, I should say. And I saw it slide off to the right, about three and a half to four feet before it came to rest. Um, I checked to see whether or not it could possibly have slid along the floor. I placed a marble on the floor to see whether or not the marble would um, go in the same direction as the chair did, and it didn't. It didn't roll at all. Um... I check for wires under the cushion of the chair, and I can find no explanation at all. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. She even took and did what, well, paranormal investigators should be doing when because you want to try to debunk and you need to stay on the fence when you're going in to investigate a location. She checked the wiring. She stuck a marble on, like... I can see a marble moving, not so much a chair, because it takes yeah. more of a force, but it wasn't going anywhere. So, like, she did her due diligence, but they couldn't find any help. That's so sad that they had to leave like that. Well, yeah, because when you're a police officer, too, when you go there, you go in there to help and, you know, <laughs> if you can't see answers. what's going on, yeah, you can't really help them if it's coming from another realm or, you know, whatever it's coming from. Yeah, pure craziness. The whole thing, as we delve deeper in, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. It's intriguing. Yes. It's unexplainable, but mm-hmm. explainable at the same time, depending on what your viewpoint comes in. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. It really is. If you're a non-believer, then you're going to say, well, they're just making it up. Mm-hmm. But in reality, how could they make it up? There's a lot of things. There's and a- even at the end, there's some science that got brought in there as to this is why they didn't make it up, because this would have happened. If How can you make stuff just levitate? You're talking about like a woman and her children. Yeah, her four like, kids. Like, yeah, they had nothing to gain, nothing to lose. Yeah. Well, nothing to lose from any of this. Like, why? They care. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what I said. I think some of it, it comes down to at the very, very end. Like, okay, some of it they were actually captured doing themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. not everything. Um, there was some things caught, and then they some reporters were just like, well, they're just doing everything. Everything's a hoax. Well, no. And Mr. Gross made the statement as though, okay, they were doing some of the things, and if they weren't trying to play planks on us like he took it as there'd be something else wrong because they were young young kids like that's what young kids do they play you know pranks or whatever on people but some of the bigger things that they were saying that the girls were doing okay but why were they doing it something was making them do that and that comes down to like the whole possession thing or there's different terms i don't like using the name or word possession but there's you know different terms where 
that spirit's like next to you telling you to do this or it's going to harm you or harm your family and we know that it can't but a young kid's not going to know that so they do it anyway mm-hmm. or there's so many other aspects to look at yeah and it is easy to say oh nope nope we've seen him do it but but why were they doing it some of the things that occurred an 11 year old girl and she was tiny couldn't have done it she would not have been strong enough to do some I'm of these surprised things that at some point they didn't say let's blow up the cheese because in the 70s that meant let's leave let's blow up the cheese so with that being said let's blow up the cheese on this episode and we'll come back with episode two or part two for later days it is so if you have any experiences like this one please email the show at paranormalxl at writeme.com thank you for listening stay kind stay humble and remember don't yuck someone else's yum ever (laughs) 